0: James on my mind, I guess. Going to the book of Psalms, book of Psalms, chapter five, and and uh, we're going to complete lesson two this evening. We or I try to break this down in in paragraphs uh, with um, in our teaching, and um, we got down through the part uh, last week where David uh, is talking, he, he is announcing the uh, the character of God when he prays. Announcing the righteous character. And we talked about that pretty extensively uh, about the benefit of praying the character of God because it, it announces and uh, it reassures. And, you know, sometimes we need to be reassured, but but there are times we need to announce in prayer as well. Amen? Amen. 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 So, uh, so, again, it's good for you to be reassured of the character of God when you approach Him in prayer. Uh, because if you need healing, you need to be reassured that God is gracious to heal. Amen. We looked at that last evening, and and so uh, we even talked about it to close. Uh, you know the the uh, obvious evidence that we had last week of of those that you know by observation. You know, do not pray the, the character of God, you know, when they pray, but yet we don't have a problem singing the, the character of God. And you say, well, prayer is prayer and singing is worship and praise to the Lord. But we're going to see at the end of the lesson this evening, you know, that, um, that your prayer, you need to pray prayers of worship to God. Amen. You know, the only thing that God hears from you does not need to be what I need and what I need Amen. and what I need and what I need and, and what I need. There there are times that your praying needs to be prayers of worship Amen. to the Lord where you don't ask for one thing. Amen. 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 I'm afraid there's far too many people that the only time God hears from them is, is when they need something. They need healing or they need money or they need a better situation or they need a better job or they need relief of this pain or, or whatever. Uh, God needs to hear from you in, in praise and worship. Amen. Amen. There's times that I, I pray and I worship the Lord and I don't ask for one thing. You know well, I thought that was what prayer was for. I know prayer is communication number yeah. one that that's the bottom line of prayer is communication with God, right. and how would you like it you know if if you had communication with with another individual and every time you had communication, uh the only thing they were telling you was about what they needed what they needed, what they needed, what they needed. What they needed. You know how bad it is. How bad life is. How bad situations are. How bad the world is. How bad my family is. How bad the government is. How bad, you know, you know, you get to the point that you you'd avoid that person. You know, it's kind of like you know people have said in the past. They've said it jokingly, you know, but realistically, it is true. But but they said jokingly, have you ever had those people you just never ask them how they're doing? You know, because you're going to be there for half a day and everything you're going to hear is bad news. Well, that's, you know, and, and we say, well, I don't, I don't, well, I just don't ask those people how they're doing. You know, I kind of wonder sometimes God doesn't feel the same way. And all our communication with him is how bad off we are. You know, and what we need and what we want and what we desire and and stuff you you need to you need to have prayers of worship to the lord Amen. not just focused on what you you need <clears throat> so to begin with uh we're really we're we're going to uh begin and end with verse number seven uh here this evening uh because uh, that's the pretty much the end of this paragraph but uh, the the fact and, and of course understanding this psalm is in, in the context of Absalom's rebellion and so the fact that God hates the kinds of satanic schemes that Absalom had has attempted in his effort to usurp the kingdom of God and steal it from his own father, led David to the confident assertion of verse number 7, when David said, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and, I will, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Now in this verse, David sharply contrasts himself with the evildoers of whom he mentioned in verses number four through six that we talked about last week. When David said, you're not a God that has pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with you. the foolish shall not stand in your sight, and you hate all workers of iniquity, and you're going to destroy them that speak leasing or speak lies, and and the the uh, the Lord will abhor he he detest the bloody and deceitful man. So all of these people that that David is talking about in these verses in in number seven. Again, he contrasts himself uh, with these types of people. So David models a character reinforcing, or David models a character reinforcing prayer that finds strength in the rehearsal of what does and does not please God. So again, going back to David's prayer when he he is praying and telling God of God's own characteristics, David David models this character reinforcing prayer that finds strength in the rehearsal of what God does or, or what does and does not please God. And here's another thing that that you're going to find and experience uh, in those times that you pray the character of God. You 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 pray. You're you're a holy God. You're a righteous God, and and uh, you're a gracious God. You're a merciful God, and and you're a forgiving God. What what you're going to do when when or going to find when you. Start practicing these kinds of prayers is the same thing that David found. David found strength in the rehearsal of what does and does not please God. He found strength there. You know, you you need strength in your body or in your spirit. You you start rehearsing back to God the, the character of His strength. You you are the almighty God. You are the almighty God. There there is nobody like you that compares to you. There is no other God that has the the strength, the power that you have. Those kinds of prayers are going to build confidence in you regarding the God that, that we serve. Because He is the Almighty. Amen. He is the all-powerful. Concerning His knowledge, He is the omniscient God. God, You know everything. All the things that's happened in this world, You knew it would happen before it even happens. Even down to my own very life. God, you know every detail of my life. You, you know everything that, that builds confidence in you that God knows everything about you. Now, if his knowing everything about you is a threat to you, then we, we got a problem here. Because if God knowing everything about you is problematic to you, then there probably needs to be some altar trips to, to get some things under, under the blood of Jesus Christ. But, but if, if you're living for God, and to, to the best of your knowledge everything everything that would be contrary to the will and the Word of God is under under the blood, then the fact that He knows every detail of your life should not be a problem. So it builds strength. It builds confidence. It, It builds something in you. So David approaches God... In verse number, according to verse number seven, he said, in the multitude of your mercy. So it is only through God's mercy that we have access to Him. Amen. Mercy is one of His attributes, one of the qualities that reveals His unparalleled character. That is His mercy. In fact, when you, you look at the, the word mercy in, uh, in Hebrew, I, I found it interesting that, uh, that it is the Hebrew word uh, hased, but yet, depending on the context, this one word can have two different meanings that are diametrically opposed. To one another. But in this context. The mercy that David is talking about. Could be defined as loyal love. When David talks about the mercy of God. In the multitude of your mercy. In the multitude of your loyal love. Or your unfailing kindness. God, your kindness just doesn't fail. It's unfailing. And David says, In the multitude of your unfailing kindness, that's how I'm going to approach you. In the the multitude, this is a love or affection that is steadfast based on a prior relationship. I want you to look at this. I want you to notice notice the phrase prior relationship. It, It is this character trait, mercy, that stirs God to offer relationship with us and to unfailingly keep His covenant with us. So what David is, is, is saying here, when he says, I'll approach you in the multitude of your mercy, it's that mercy that was shown in a prior relationship. When, when I didn't know God, He extended mercy to me to be able to come into relationship with God. When I had no knowledge of His character, It was his mercy. And so David says, in the multitude of your mercy, I will, I will approach you. And so in this verse as well, David makes a rather bold promise to the Lord. Because in the beginning of verse seven, he says, but as for me. Now, understand, he has just talked about these evil people, these liars, these bloodthirsty people. In verses 4 through 6, he said, But as for me, I will come into your house. All right? Now, hang on just a second. David's in the wilderness. He's outside of the uh, the capital city, Jerusalem. He's running from Absalom. But David said, as for me, I will come into your house. Now that's, when, when you're running from an enemy, that can be a pretty presumptuous statement. Because the house that David is talking about is the temple of God. and And when you're running from the adversary, when when you when you list the character of people that is opposed to the character of God, and those are the people that you're fleeing from, and then to make the statement, but as for me, I will come into your house is a rather bold statement. So after, again, after stating the character of those who would not dwell with God, David seems to be certain that he himself would return unto the house of God. Now listen. Listen. This is a great statement of faith in God's deliverance. Because again in the context, David's fleeing, part of his family is fleeing, those that have aligned themselves with David is fleeing. But he says, as for me, I will come into your house. I'm coming back to your house. And so this again this is a great statement of faith In God's deliverance. David knew. David believed. That even though everything seems to be falling apart in my life. And in the kingdom. Right now there's coming a time. That God's going to deliver me. And I'm going back to the house of God. And so David makes that statement to God. Now now wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Faith does not deny the reality of your circumstance. And I understand that that is true. Faith, if you're sick, faith doesn't walk around saying, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. If you feel pain, faith doesn't say, I don't feel any pain. What pain? I got no pain in my body. No, faith, faith takes into consideration the, the current circumstance That one may be in in their lives at a particular time. But yet faith also says, I know the God that put me in the king's palace and that God is going to bring me back into the city at His choosing, at the timing of His choosing, and I will come into the house of God again. Again, that's a great statement of faith. And look at how it contrasts our faith sometimes. Circumstances go awry and we just can't see the the beginning from the end. As we stated last week or or Sunday, the only thing we can see is our problem. The only thing we can see is is what I I need. God, I need deliverance. David could have said in, in, in this part of his prayer, Now God, I need deliverance. But what David is saying to God, when he says, As for me, I will come into your house, is in essence, God, I'm, I'm running now. My faith does not deny the reality of my circumstances, but there is coming a time in that you're going to deliver me from this. There's coming a time that the rebellion is going to be squashed. That it's going to be put down. And when that time comes, I am coming back to your house. I'm coming back to the house of God. Amen. Oh, wouldn't it be great if we all had that kind of faith? You know that when when things seem like they're falling apart in our lives. We don't deny the reality of what's happening. But we can be like David and say, you know what? I'm coming out of here. I'm coming out of here. By faith, I'm coming out of here. By faith, things are going to get better. By faith, this situation is going to change. When's it going to change? It's going to change at God's own timing." But when I come out of here, I'm going to come out of here with the opposition quashed. Amen. And I'm coming out victorious. Amen. amen. What a statement of faith to be running from an enemy. But as for me, I'm coming back to your house. As for me, I'm not going to be in the wilderness always. I'm not going to be running always. I'm not going to be running around barefooted, in my head hanging down always. As for me, there's coming a time that I'm going to come out of this situation, I'm coming out of this circumstance. I am coming out of this. And I, I just kind of feel like this is such a foreign thing to us tonight. Or either. We, we just can't grasp this element of faith that David is talking about. How many of you have ever run from you, for your life? You ever run from anybody for your life? I'm talking about people are trying to kill you. No. So, what is it? What is it that could be greater than running for your life that would cause us to have weak faith or no faith that, you know, or, you know, the fact that. You know, if God don't do it and He don't do it soon, then I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. You know, this. You know the. You know, cars broke down. The air conditioners broke down. This is you know tore up and you know and all of this kind of stuff and 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 day and here David is running for his life. Listen, he's the king. David's the king, and he's running. For his life from his own son. But yet in his prayer to God. He said. As for me. I'm going to be back in the house of God. I'm not going to be traveling in this wilderness forever. I'm not going to be out here running for my life forever. I'm going to be back in the house of God. Oh what a statement. What a statement of faith. David had fled from Jerusalem into the wilderness during Absalom's rebellion. But before the battle was against Absalom's or, or before the battle against Absalom's forces ever began. See there had been there had been no defense. When David offered this prayer to God, There had been no defense initiated against Absalom's rebellion. The first first arrow had not flown through the air. The the spears had not clashed. and, And the swords had not clashed together. There was no defense mounted against Absalom's rebellion. So, then... And, and, and during that time, before the battle against Absalom's forces began, David committed himself to worship the Lord after the victory had been won. Oh, and there, there's no defense yet, but David's already counting on the victory. Look at his faith. Look at his, and, and hear what I'm saying no defense. No defense from Absalom had been mounted. But yet David's already counting on the victory. Before the battle raged, David committed himself to worship the Lord after the battle had been won. And notice two things here. Number one, David said, I will get back to the house of the Lord. And the second thing is, he is depending... On there being victory over Absalom. Why? Because David knew what God had anointed him to do. But he's the king. But he's the king. But in reality, is that really so different than any of God's people? Well, I'm not a king. The Bible says you're a nation. You are a kingdom of priests, of kings and priests before the Lord. And if if God has anointed you to be where you are and, and to do what you do in the kingdom of God, and opposition comes against you in any form or fashion, why is it that we tend to lose our faith? And, and just mealy, well, this old South Alabama term, just mealy mouth around. And, and, and we can't worship God and we can't do anything, you know, because of, because of what is happening right now when David is running and there's no defense made at this time against Absalom. But David lifts his voice and prayer and makes a commitment to God. When I get back, when the victory is won, I'm coming back. To the house of God. I will worship God. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice two facts. First, David's pledge to be faithful in worship was acknowledgement. That victory over such impossible odds could come only through the Lord. You ever faced impossible odds? You say, well, what was so impossible about David's odds? You read, you read the, the, the book of second Samuel, and you'll find that, that, that the Bible said, when this rebellion started, that this rebellion grew. I mean it, it grew in size, it grew in force because people begin to align themselves with Absalom and now Absalom's forces way yonder outnumber what David had traveling through the wilderness with him. David could look at that and say it's impossible. this rebellion it is going to take the life out of the kingdom. It's impossible. The odds are impossible. The odds are against us. But David's pledge to be faithful in worship was acknowledgement that victory over such impossible odds could come only through the Lord. It would be God's faithfulness that would make David victorious. God ever been faithful to you? Amen. Has Amen. God ever been faithful to you? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, against what in your mind would be impossible odds? Has God ever been faithful to you? Secondly, although David refers to his faithfulness in his prayer in, in verse number three, he, uh, he acknowledged that it would be God's mercy that delivered him and not his own righteousness. Right. You got that same kind of faith? Got that same kind of faith? Because I'm going to tell you something. In the day we're facing right now, if you don't have it, you better start exercising your faith. Mm -hmm. To the degree that you can be like David and say, the odds against us, these odds are impossible. These odds are impossible. Now you look around at things that are going on in the world right now. And all of this craziness, all these shenanigans, and all these demonic forces that, that are manifesting themselves through people and in, in all that's going on right now. And you can look at that, and now you, you get mad about it all you want to. But getting mad about it, it's not going to change one thing. Because it hasn't happened here like it has happened in other places, but it's coming here. And the thing is, if you don't agree with me, you hate me, and I will shut you down. We will silence your voice. What are you going to do then? Or you stand up and say, well, the Bible says it's an abomination to live like that. I don't believe the Bible. So what do we do then? we we'll close our Bible and just sit down? That's, that's what's been happening too long. We, we better start exercising some faith in God to be able to navigate the times that's coming against the church before the, before the rapture of the church. Well, glory. David makes a rather unusual commitment to the Lord while he's in the wilderness. When when he worshiped, he, he would pray in the direction of God's holy temple. This prayer would be in reverence to the Lord. Because David said, in thy fear, I will worship toward thy holy temple. The King James Version uses the word fear. But this fear is the reverential awe and recognition of who God is. It's an attitude that results in submissive obedience to God and His Word. So while David prayed and trusted God for victory, he was fully aware that God could choose otherwise. He was aware that even though I'm praying for victory, there's a possibility that God don't give it. In fact, God often grants victory to His people, but He sometimes chooses to allow hardships for His glory. Amen. It it is great faith. That believes God for the victory, but it is greater faith that is devoted enough to trust and worship God in the midst of suffering and trial. And here's what we find David doing. Worshiping God in the midst of suffering and trial. He said, I'm, I'm not in Jerusalem. I can't make it to the temple of, of God right now. But when I worship in your fear, I will worship toward your holy temple. So trusting enough and worshiping God in the midst of suffering and trial, it is this kind of faith that God's people need to have today. Amen. So... What if God chooses not to deliver from a trial or a hardship? What then? I see you through. I there. You know, if God chooses not to deliver you from some trial, you, you you must still trust Him. Amen. When He gives and takes away, you you still must bless His name. Job chapter 1 and verse number 21, Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return hither. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now when you look at what was taken away from Job, it was very substantial. None of us has lost, have have sustained that kind of loss. None of us. Job lost everything he had. His family, his crops, his cattle, his farms. He lost it all. And yet he said, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. You must trust Him and glory in the strength He gives to endure trials. Paul told the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9, For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." And Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, again, we mentioned this the weekend. This Paul is mentioning or talking about a concept here that is totally foreign to the church in Western civilization. We don't glory in infirmities. We complain about them. Amen. Or oh me one. We don't glory in our weaknesses. We complain about them. Well it just can't do what it used to do. Bless God. Can you do so and so? I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. You know, I'm down in my back. My my hips hurt. My legs hurt. My head hurts. Everything we got hurts. I'll, I'll try. I'll see what I can do. Paul said, I've got this weakness. I've got this infirmity that God chose not to take away from me. He didn't do it. And so instead of walking around and complaining about the pain or or whatever it was, he said then, God told him, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when Paul heard that, it put a change in his spirit because he said, then, then most gladly, therefore. Most gladly. When you have a weakness that God doesn't take away, can you say most gladly? Paul said most gladly. Therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Because if that's what it takes for the power of Christ. To rest upon me. Because you see here. Here's the problem. Here's the difference between Paul and ourselves. Paul had a kingdom minded concept. It don't matter if I have infirmities. That God doesn't take away. If it's going to manifest the power of God through me hey I'll tell you what I'll do I'll glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest may rest upon me so his was, his, his view was kingdom-minded because if I've got some kind of and can I tell you the weaknesses that Paul had did not sideline him either If there were were pain in his legs, he was still walking down the road. From town to town to town to town to town. If there was pain in his back, he was still walking down the road. His weaknesses, his infirmities did not sideline him. He said, I'll glory in this weakness. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That was Paul's attitude towards it. Sure is quiet this evening. Because when we get to looking at what scripture really says. What we think instead of what we wished it said. Or even sometimes what we think it says. Anybody ever found that scripture that says that God won't put on you more than you can bear Anybody ever actually read it? Have you read it? Huh? But when we start looking at the Word of God and we start looking at what some of these people experienced, and the things that they said, and their faith, and their trust, and their confidence in God, and the circumstances that they were facing at the time that they exhibited this trust. I see. It's it's not hard to trust God when you're when you're on the mountain. It's not hard to trust God when you're feeling good and you got a good doctor's report and. You know, and you got money in your pocket and a little bit of money in the bank and you got everything that, you know, you you would like to have. It's not hard to trust God at those times. See, your trust, your trust and your confidence and your faith is not tested, is, is really, it, it is not tested until life goes sour. See, it's kind of like your loyalty to the house of God is not tested, is not proven loyalty until you have the opportunity to be disloyal. See, see what I'm saying? We, we say, oh, oh, I trust God with everything. Do you? God will say, well, let's, let's see how you trust with everything because I'm going to give you the opportunity to distrust me. Well, I I don't care. I don't care what this world does. I'm going to stand for God. You know, your faithfulness in standing for God is is really a non-issue. Until you, you are presented with the opportunity to be unfaithful to God. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll even die with you. Yes, I will. I'll die with you. God says, we're going to put that to the test. I'll never be ashamed of the Lord. See, your, your boldness of not being ashamed for the name of Christ is really a non-issue until you have the presented with the opportunity to be ashamed of Him. And being ashamed of him is a real, a real possibility. Because the Lord just kept saying, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. If you're ashamed of me in this world, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. See, God knew... That it is a real possibility to be ashamed of him and his name. That's why he kept repeating this. But see, our our faith is really a non-issue until it's put to the test. So that's what James said. Think it not strange. Think it not strange when you endure fiery trials. As though some strange thing is happening to you. Even the, even the old apostle James understood your, your faith, your proclaimed faith is a non-issue until you have the opportunity or you're presented with the opportunity or the possibility of, being, of having no faith. Because here's what the old prophet said. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you lose heart in the adverse times, he said your strength is is small. God is always true to His children. If you love Him, and if you trust Him, He will always work all things together for your good. I said if you love Him, and you trust Him. Because see that, that trust in the good times, An untested trust is not trust at all. Your trust is not verified until you have the opportunity to distrust. Amen. And be tried. And so all of these things, our faith, our trust. Our confidence, our dependence on the Lord its going to be tested. Because again, we can talk about how much I love him, how much I trust him, all of this kind of stuff. But when he doesn't move in the manner or in the timing that we think he ought to move then what happens to our love and what happens to our trust then. Amen. 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 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And to them who are the called according to His purpose. Do you love Him? Do you love Him? In the good times and in the bad times. Amen. amen, Every relationship suffers stress from time to time. You know, there there are times I I don't like my wife. I love her. There's times I don't like her. And you're the same way. Oh, yeah. Every relationship goes through that. But it doesn't mean that the relationship has soured. Sometimes those things strengthen relationships. Amen? Amen? Such is my relationship with the Lord. If I'm not careful... When times get a little tough and things get a little hard. See, it's easy for us to lay blame on other people for things that happen. Well, if you had done this, or if you had not done this. See, we kind of want to be like Martha sometime, Mary. Lord, if you'd have just been here. Our brother would not have died. All the time the sister was was in the house, busying herself, instead of focusing on the death of her brother, I'm preparing for the master to come into my house. See the difference? One says, "If you'd have just been here, Lazarus would still be alive. And the other is preparing for a visitation of the Master. Man, that's good preaching right there. Amen. Amen. The outcome is going to be determined by your spirit and your attitude. In the process, in the trial, in the wilderness, whatever the case may be. I want to be like David. I'm certain God's going to bring me out of this. But until he does, where I am, I am going to worship in the fear of the Lord towards the house of God, towards the temple of God. Amen. David said, I'm in the wilderness, but that's not going to stop me from worshiping my God. Amen. I'm going to worship God in the wilderness. I'm going to have the, the, the reverence of God in the wilderness. I'm going to have the fear of the Lord in the middle of this trial. Amen. Amen. I got to stop. God bless you.